back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 Every week we check in with Mark McMillan and a good opportunity to talk to uh, one of his friends who played in the NFL, break down the Raiders game as the Raiders are taking on a football team. Larry Sanders played in the National Football League. He was in D.C. too. Mark, what's going on, buddy? Take it away. I definitely appreciate uh, having you on, man. You're always uh, a special guest. Always made me level up my game just a little bit. Uh, knowing when we have to play uh, the Cardinals or, or play any team that you played for, that you had to buckle up your chin strap and you better have a mouthpiece in because number 37 is going to do something special at some particular time. How do you see uh, the Washington football team after losing the most dominant player I thought coming out of college is Chase Young? Yeah, well, they, they seem to have, have gotten better from week to week from what I've seen. Um, they have... Um, you know, despite losing uh, their, their best athlete, in my opinion also, uh, they seem to gel. I think Ron Rivera has really had them kind of clicking on all cylinders. And, and uh, Taylor Heineke has really stepped up yeah. uh, as a leader of that football team. And, um, and you, I, you know, you talk about the quarterback, uh, you know, come from ODU, uh, you know, worked his way, uh, you know, to, to being a starter in the National Football League. Uh, you know, I talked to a guy come from Stephen F. Austin, wasn't highly taught it, you know, coming out of college uh, and made a great name for himself. Uh, talked about Larry Sinners. Uh, just give us a little insight. I know I always go back to your Super Bowl days in New England. Uh, what were some of the things that uh, that helped you become a better player playing with Tom Brady? Well, you know, bottom line, man, is, you know, you you, uh, you want to be accountable every time you put on a uniform. You know this, Mark. You played at a very high level for a long time for uh, quite a few franchises. You don't want to walk into the locker room having to hang your head down because you're not doing your job. So, you know, playing with uh, Brady and playing with, you know, not just Brady, but Bledsoe and a few other guys and uh, playing for Belichick, um, Buddy Ryan, playing for Buddy Ryan back in the day, those, those types of personalities – on your team, they they demand accountability, and uh, if you're the weak link, you know you're going to be called out pretty quickly, man. And, and so, um, you know, you ask me what it's like to play with those guys. It's just a it's just a it's a brotherhood of, of accountability, doing your job, not being the weak link, uh, showing up when it's time to show up, when it's your opportunity, and uh, and and let the chips fall where they may, man. That's pretty much it's it's just that simple. You, you mentioned two really good legendary coaches, the late great uh, Buddy Ryan and, and Belichick. What was the difference? Be- what was the difference you would say between those two coaches and the way they prepare for a game? Belichick is really a funny guy. You know, he's uh, I can't see that. I can't see. I can't he, see. He's, he's, uh, he, 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 I'm telling you, man. He's a comedian <laughs> in the team meet. In the team meetings every every week, he's uh, he has a dry humor, but he's a very sarcastic guy. And uh, matter of fact, you know, that comes through in most of his interviews. He's straight to the point when he's trying to get, deliver a message. But he's really a funny guy, man. Um, uh, the difference between the two, I think Buddy was more of a kind of had an iron fist. He, Buddy was like, it's my way or the highway. And I think, did you, you play for Buddy too, I think, right? I was, I was right after Buddy. I played with uh, Bud Carson. I know, I know Steve okay. is probably going to mention uh, the other head coach that we had. But I played for Bud Carson. I can't give okay. my man uh, Richie too much uh, playtime on, on the show. I got you. I got you. I, 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 think Steve, I think Steve's a big fan of Rich Kotite, though, when he came to oh, the yeah. Jets. Yeah, I always, lo- I always love the stories. Larry, don't tell any stories, please. <laughs> I, won't, I won't share any stories on the airways, but uh, we'll, we'll cover that in the 
in a commercial break. <laughs> well, the, the NFL seems to be, you know, it's a week-to-week league. And right now, uh, your, your former team, the Arizona Cardinals, uh, how do you see them uh, fanning out over the next couple of games? I know they've been battling injuries with Hopkins and, uh, you know, and the quarterback, uh, Kyler Murray. How do you see the season playing out? And obviously the Rams are paying a lot of money. The 49ers are, are coming alive of late. What do you see the Cardinals uh, moving forward? Well, I'm excited about the direction that the Cardinals are going in. I, uh, I personally am a little biased, obviously, but I think they're the best team in the National Football League right now, as their record indicates. Uh, and one reason I stand behind that statement is because of how they've been able to continue to win without their, their two best offensive players in the game, and uh, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. If you get get a team that can weather the storm of injuries and and at the same time when they go toward the end of the season, if they can be healthy, healthier than other teams, as you mentioned, it's a week-to-week league. If you can have your guys healthy down the stretch, you always put yourself in the best position to be successful. And I think the Cardinals are going to do a great job down the stretch. You are a little biased. And, you know, I, I can't really say that because the Eagles are really not doing what, you know, they're going to be 500. Hopefully they'll be 500. they got to play the Jets this week. Now, uh, you know, they, they laid an egg last week against the Giants. Um, I thought they had a, a good opportunity to go down there and kind of catch up with the Cowboys, but they went and laid the egg. Now they got to play the Jets, who it's, it's another road game. they got to go right back down to Turnpike and play those guys. Um, who's your team that you see coming out of the AFC and the NFC uh, for, the, for the championship? Because it's wide open right now. Well, obviously, you can never count out uh, Mahomes and the Chiefs. They're such an explosive football team. If they can just get their defense playing at a high level and get their offense back clicking where they, they have teams on the heels, I think they have a, a very good chance to be successful. Um, I thought the Bills were going to be great, but they just turned yeah. out to – I don't know what happened to the Bills. They kind of faded faded away. Bad, uh, bad, Buffalo, bad, bad Buffalo wing sauce or something. I don't know. Too many, too many people jumping off the tables. Too many people jumping off the tables. No idea. <laughs> too many injuries, huh? Yeah, man. But, <laughs> but I tell you, I tell you what, uh, the Ravens uh, is a team that I'm, I think is a sneaky team going down the stretch, mainly because they have such a ball-controlled offense. They can get their defense humming and clicking and, and maybe get a few takeaways down the stretch. I, I see them as being a, a top contender in the AFC as well. So you're going to go with the Ravens. Like it, they, they are a little sneaky team. Um, they, they continue to win games. Um, you know, I know when they played the Bears, they didn't have their starting quarterback, and they squeaked out a win uh, against the Bears on the road. Uh, but I, I just don't know about the Ravens right now. I just, you know, early yeah. on, okay, they'll, they might battle the Chiefs. Buffalo, they may battle the Chiefs. But now the Chiefs' defense is coming around, and they're yeah. playing really good football. And the Raiders, you know, we don't know. They're week to week. So it's it's like you don't know which team is going to show up. Yeah, the Raiders, you know, hey, I, I, I like the Raiders. And, you know, I think they've done a great job with all the things that they've had going on uh, in their in their locker room. But uh, just don't don't really trust them right now. You know, I don't trust them. They just don't, you know, they, you don't know which team is going to show up. And, and that's pretty much just the bottom line. Larry Centers is with us on ESPN Las Vegas. Larry played for a bunch of teams and a bunch of different owners. And I, I you know, I, I don't have a great read yet on Mark Davis because I, I think he's, for the most part, a pretty good guy. He wants his organization to win, but I think there's some disorganization because of Mark. 
Now you experienced the highs and the lows of ownership. So you you know you were with an organization with Robert Kraft. When you got to the Redskins for that season, that's when Snyder was taken over, right? So I don't think you you didn't get the full Daniel Snyder experience, did you? I didn't, but I got the raw and uncut Daniel Snyder. Mm. You know, well, he yeah, was, he yeah. Was, <laughs> he was raw. He was raw and uncut. I mean, he came into the meeting, one of the meetings, and and he flat out told everybody. He said, "I want to get it clear. I want to make it clear right now. I'm a I'm a prick." What? For a guy to say that off the top, I mean, hey, you got to take him at his word. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so, so, so I can see him saying is, that. You know, yeah, he, I can see him saying he, that. He, he wasn't lying. But no, you know, ownership style, you know, you mentioned Mark Davis. Um, ownership style does have a, uh, a lot to do with the team's success. You know, and more than anything else, I think the locker room attitude, you know, if you got the guys in the locker room not really uh, digging the ownership or the, or the management, you know, that's going to create a distraction that you don't need. It's it's a very competitive league. As Mark mentioned, it's week to week, you know. So you don't, you don't want to have any downslide, backslide, or, you know, the marginal victories can be raised at the end from week to week. So you get one or two guys that come in with a bad attitude, and that could be the difference in winning a ball game or not winning a ball game. So ownership matters. Yeah. Uh, management most certainly matters, and coaching, you know, obviously is paramount. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, it can be demoralizing for a locker room if you feel like the guy up top who owns the club isn't behind you and, and doesn't want to win. You know, that the, the winning isn't the, the bottom line. I wanted to ask both of you guys, and we'll get Larry's take on this first, and then Mark. Um, yep. You guys are around football all the time. You've been around it for years. So Cliff Kingsbury is you know, rumored that Oklahoma is going to reach out. What do you think is a better gig? Especially since the, some of these big schools are actually paying more money than the NFL. What's what's a better gig, Larry? The the NFL job or a job at a place like Oklahoma? Well, I think the difference would be the, the in the league you don't have to do a whole lot of recruiting. You know that uh, filling the roster is the job of the general manager. It's a collective job, obviously, ownership and, and uh, coaching and general manager. But you know, recruiting at the college level, I think, could be a grind on some of these guys and. You know, that's the difference between having a, a great squad and uh, and having a mediocre team. You know, you got to be able to go out there and get that. And it's, that's especially more the case now with, with uh, players being able to transfer, with the transfer portal, and, um, you know, players being able to be fluid and things like that. So I think the better job, in my opinion, you know, not counting the money because, you know, you always got to weigh that out. And uh, but, but I think the better job is a professional what do you think, Mark? Better job for Kingsbury, NFL, or go to you know go to college where it could actually make more money? Um, I would say probably the NFL as well. Um, you know, because when you're in college, Nick Saban saw it. He, you know, he went from uh, LSU to Miami uh, and, and went back to college. You know, so it's uh, it's about all uh, your choice. And I w- I wouldn't want to be a college coach nowadays because some of these guys, man, you, you, Steve, you cover college football as well. You know, you get these kids that's highly rated. Um, you know, they come in like the stuff don't stink. Uh, you know, you, you got to sell your program. You don't know what your coach is really thinking. I, I, I honestly believe the Notre Dame coaching staff had no clue that Coach Kelly was going to walk out on them that fast. And I know uh, Cleansbury, uh, you know, he, he's got a great gig. And you, you take uh, the coach from Oklahoma, he goes to USC. During the bye week, he's taking a visit to Southern Cal. That's crazy. The, the writing was on the wall. So what are you telling these recruits that's coming in? Uh, you know, I saw one kid tweet. He's like, hey, this is the best place to be. And, he, and one kid responded back and said, you, that the same, you said that to us last week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. right, right, right. It's, it's like, man, you know, for the professional guys, I know they put in a lot of work. 
I know the coach here in, in Arizona, he's, he's really good about letting his staff uh, enjoy their family. I know Bruce does a good job in Tampa Bay, letting these guys be fathers to their kids. Uh, he doesn't work them like dogs or slaves. But if you're working for Nick Saban, and I talked to a lot of coaches that worked under him, you're going to grind as hard as Nick Saban grinds, and you're going to miss out on a lot of opportunities to spend time with your family. Now, on the other side, at some point, you're going to get a head coaching job at a Power 5 school. So it's all about you know what you what what you prefer. Um, I don't know if I can be a college coach, man, going to try to you know sell these young kids on uniforms and edits and all that. And then the benchmark yeah. at the end of the day is can you beat Alabama? Can you beat Georgia? Yeah. You know that's the benchmark that you're, you're you're going against. And how do you get these players to be able to compete with the top echelon uh, programs? Uh, and, and also, I'd like to add, Mark, without. Without a paycheck, these college kids aren't getting a paycheck. Are they really accountable to the success that that you want from your team collectively? You know, in the professional league, for guys not doing his job, hey, he I, don't. I'm going to pay some. I mean, he gone. I'm going to pay yeah, somebody yeah. down the street. <laughs> yeah. you know, we're going to fill that. We're going to fill that spot. And right. So, so the level of accountability from a, a coach can can from have a little bit more leverage to get a player to perform at the at the professional level. I think. More so than the collegiate level, especially when you when you uh, inject the the transfer rate these days. Oh my God, the transfer portal is like man, it's 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 like the HOV lane right now. You know, it's not hey. just players. It's just it's not just players transferring. It's coaches trans- transferring as well. And you know, I always ask. I tell the parents when these coaches come into your room, ask the coach, uh, why did you leave that program? You know, what makes this program much different? Than the program, what makes Oklahoma much different than, than going to Southern Cal besides the weather? Uh, you know, because Oklahoma is a great program. You know, it, it's a what? Why would you leave Notre Dame to go to LSU and have to play against Texas A&M and Georgia and Alabama when you were at Notre Dame? You couldn't beat these teams. So it, 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 it's it's crazy that he left Notre. You know, Coach Kelly left Notre Dame. You know, another thing too that's very interesting to me is to see the rate of coaches who are at the top of their games leaving. You know, they're leaving in the middle of the season and at the top of their game. You know, um, that's a, it's interesting how how that dollar bill is luring them out of these great places, these great programs, man. So, Ooh, boy, it's like, it's, like, like, it's like a good strip club. It's like a good strip club, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you go where they pay. Yeah, you got to go where they making it rain. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Let's uh, let's close on this one, uh, Larry. What do you think is going to happen with the Raiders and the and the football team? Uh, you got a pick for the game? I do. I think the football team will come out and um, jump on them early, and I think they'll hold it, hold them down. You know, they've been really trending the last few weeks, and uh, they're playing some really good football. And I I don't expect it to stop with the Raiders. The Raiders are a little uh, they're they're still searching for a true identity at this point. I think, and and that's. In my opinion, that's that's going to be the difference in in them um, not being successful and not even making the playoffs this year. Every seems like every week we talk about the Raiders, and I'm like, I, I'm I think yeah yeah we're like on a roller coaster, you know. We're in Vegas with no with no ocean, but we're always we're always in the boat. And it's like, man, which Raider team is going to show up? I didn't see that Raider team showing up in Dallas and putting a beat down on them the way they did, uh, you know, on Turkey Day. Now you come back against a rest, you know, a Washington team. That's still searching. You know, you've got a young quarterback. The Raiders have some veteran players. If they put on a performance like they did, you know, last week, the game won't leave me, it won't even be close. 
I don't think I've been right on picking the Raiders yet this year besides the Chiefs. <laughs> but I, I, I'm still going to, you know, I, I, I live in Vegas, you know, so I still got to pull for the Raiders. Uh, you know, the, the, I just see the Raiders winning this game in a close one. Uh, those guys got to win. So it, it's really good for the morale because that team was suffering from so many off the field losses and on the field losses that just getting a win and getting Deshaun Jackson into into the offense more to stretch the ball more downfield, I think helps those guys out as well. Larry, we appreciate the time today, man. That was a great spot. Hey, I appreciate it, guys. Always a pleasure hanging out with y'all. There he is, Larry Centers. Uh, won a Super Bowl late in his career with the Patriots, played for the Bills, the Redskins at the time, and the uh, Cardinals. And keep in mind, again, he played uh, for owners like Bill Bidwell, ugh, uh, Daniel Snyder, uh, and Bill, the Bills had good ownership, and obviously Robert Kraft is a top-notch owner. Last couple of things that I want to build on, because I, I, I got to respond and get your response on this one. The flip side of that whole, is the NFL better for the head coach or college better for the head coach? When you're in college, Mark, you are the GM. When you're in the right. NFL, if you don't have a quarterback, you are in Screwsville. And I, you know, right. I, this one's going to stick with me because I think Mike Tomlin took it the wrong way. When they were asking him about the USC job, that was based on the words of Carson Palmer, who said they may make a run at Mike Tomlin. Tomlin right. took it as a big insult. Um, right. But my point at the time was, dude, you've got Big Ben. I don't know who made the decision to stick with Big Ben for this year. I guess Tomlin was probably in on it, but that was not a good decision. If you don't have a quarterback in the NFL, watch how quickly the fans in the organization will turn on you. The difference in college, right. if you don't have a quarterback, you're the GM. You can go get a quarterback. And you brought right. up the other good point. Nick Saban didn't work in the NFL, not because he's a bad coach. Nick Saban didn't work in the NFL because they made one bad decision, right? They took yep. Culpepper over Breeze, and that was yeah. it. That was it. So that that would be yeah. my pitch. And I know college has a lot of other responsibilities, but that would be my pitch, that the college job is actually very interesting, especially if it's Kingsbury going back. You're the GM in college. You don't have to rely on someone else. Right. And, you know, he's having success at the NFL level, so I kind of – you know, it, it, it'd probably be hard for him to like, hey, we're being successful right now. Right. I'm going to go back to the college grind. But him being successful at the NFL level, he can go get NFL money right now in college football easy. Yeah. And, and, and the, the, you know, the, the reason that Kingsbury is, you know, kind of vexing is that he does have the quarterback. He does have yeah. Kyler Murray, <laughs> and he's probably going to have him for yeah. 10 years. So he's got the guy. But uh, we'll see about right. Tomlin. I, I have a feeling in like two years – if you know they don't make any sort of transition, they can't bring in like an Aaron Rodgers as a free agent, or they don't nail it in the draft. People right. are going to be looking at Mike Tomlin, going, "Oh, this guy's not you know all he's shaped up to be." And it's like he doesn't have the quarterback anymore. Big Ben was a big part of it. All right, the holidays yep. are coming. The holidays are coming. If you want <laughs> stocking stuffers, now's the time, Mark. Tell everyone yep. the uh, the sauces are out, the spices are out. Where can they get them? Hey, you can go to grillamcmillan.com. Uh, you can get my spices. I have suiting and booting. And I have cooking with Claire, and I got that sweet heat barbecue sauce. So it's a stocking stuffer, like Steve said. Go to grillingmcmillan.com, click on the link, and order your spices. And I might just even throw something special in there for you just for old St. Nick. So I appreciate everybody supporting. The sales have been going great so far. Um, so I I'm excited, and uh, everybody get an opportunity uh, to be able to grill. You see some of the pictures I post up? I'm using my own spices. So if you want your food and your meat to taste good, 
Go to GorillaMcMillan.com. Ooh, that was a good commercial. I know. That was a good pitch. (laughs) Chop that, Ari. Chop it. That's a commercial. All right, Mark. Enjoy the rest of your time in uh, in Arizona, and we'll see you back here in Vegas soon, okay? All right. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks to Larry Centers, one of the greatest pass-catching backs in the history of the NFL, and our buddy Mark McMillan, local NFL insider here on this Friday. Right now, it's another chance to get yourself hooked up for the VIP treatment for our big after-party at Crazy Horse 3 Gentlemen's Club on Fox Sports Radio. I'll be hosting on Sunday at 4 o'clock. Ari will hook you up with a VIP treatment. You get in for free. Your friends get in for free. You get a table. You get a bucket. Call her 6 and 7, 364-1100-364-1100. If you don't win one of our VIP packages, you walk over from the game right across the street from the aisle. Crazy Horse 3 Gentlemen's Club is right there on Russell. You show your ticket. You're in for free. And then from there, you've got dozens of beautiful girls, awesome kitchen to get some post-game snacks. You can check out the Sunday night football game and party hard after the silver and black takeout football team. 364-1100-364-1100. Caller 6 and 7, VIP treatment. Ari's going to hook you up. This is the spot. It's the closest spot to the stadium to party after the game. I'll be there from 4 to 7 with Fox Sports Radio. Stop on by. It's Crazy Horse 3 Gentlemen's Club. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Let's go! The Football Frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The Football Frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Back at it, Cofield and Company on this Friday, Steve Cofield. Join us momentarily from up in San Francisco, getting ready for UNLV and USF tomorrow. Uh, like I said, love that venue, so I'm very jealous that Steve will get to see that game tomorrow. Uh, that's college basketball. We'll get to that maybe a little bit, but it's NFL time. <laughs> the crunching pads. Perfect. It's perfect for our segue into the NFL uh, and, and just football in general because it's not always the NFL. And yesterday, Adrian, Adrian Martinez decided to enter the transfer portal after his 34th season, I believe, at Nebraska. Uh, there had... I could be wrong about this. There had to be a different Martinez. There had to be a brother. I believe Martinez has been starting at Nebraska for like 14 seasons at this point. Uh, So he will transfer. A lot of speculation on where he'll go. Uh, I've heard a lot of rumors maybe going back home, Fresno State, maybe transferring down from the Big Ten level. But he's been a guy with a ton of experience and will bring uh, certainly that experience and ability at a high level, I guess, experience much more than ability, I think, uh, to wherever he goes next. But an addition, a good addition for a college football program out there. So was this your is this your question? That is this the same between Aaron Rodgers and Antonio Brown? Vaguely, yes. In a, in a nutshell, yeah, I'm, I'm asking. It's different. Yeah, you, you, you kind of mentioned it in the break. So... This, I heard a lot of people ask this question yesterday, so it's not I'm not singling you out, but I know that you had posed the question about whether the Antonio Brown situation and the Aaron Rodgers situation are are the same. They're not. Uh, and I certainly want to uh, 
get Steve's opinion on this as well. I think he's uh, he's joining us here, but um, here. He, yeah, here's why they're different, and I'll I'll turn it over to that's the voice of Steve Cofield there that you, you guys just heard. Uh, yes. They're different because Aaron Rodgers lied to the media. Antonio Brown lied to his team in the league. Now, as best I know, and they're being very vague about this on both sides, but as best I know, Aaron Rodgers went to the league and he said, I'm not getting the shot. But I do consider myself inoculated from COVID because of what my doctor did. There was a long battle between the two sides. At some point, the league ruled you're not vaccinated. You have to live by the unvaccinated standards. Now, there is certainly an argument to be made that he wasn't following the rules of the unvaccinated. We saw him without the masks. We saw him doing all those other things. But again, this isn't about the vaccine or not. It's about what the what you told the league, how you represented yourself. In the case of Antonio Brown and these other players, it would appear that they created fake vax cards, bought them, and turned them in and said, hey, I'm vaccinated, I'm cool. That is different than misrepresenting your status to the media. At the end, the result is the same. You're both unvaccinated. You're both around your teammates. You're both putting your, your team in questionable situations in terms of potentially losing you at some point uh, and exposing people, of course, to uh, COVID. But uh, bottom line is Aaron Rodgers lying to the media is not the same as Antonio Brown turning in a fake fax card. Is that Should, uh, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Should, uh, now, now you've got Bruce Arians asking for the league to be vigilant and investigating everyone else for vax cards. Will they do it? Should they do it? I mean, I think they should. But at the same time, I think there's an interesting debate of to, as to what's the, the old uh, phrasing of what did he know and when did he know it? Right. Um, was he duped? Like, there is you know a case to be made that you know the, the Bucks came out and said, hey, as far as we know, the card he turned into us was that was his vaccination, and that's where he is. And Bruce Arians and the rest of the organization went out and defended him. And then we're told, oh, by the way, it's probably not real uh, that he was lying to you. Um, I, I would like to know when Bruce Arians knew. That, I think that's a fair question. You think they're going to keep looking into it, or is it over now? I think they want to stop. I don't yes, think of that, course. I don't that's, think that's, that's all the NFL wants is to minimize the embarrassment, and they don't really want to investigate any of this. No, they don't want. They didn't want this news out there. They didn't want to talk about it. They didn't want to be, want it to be a part of public conversation. Like they wanted to move on from this. But you also can't allow when you have rules like this in place. And again, this is not how you feel about the vaccine. This is just this is just whether or not you're misrepresenting facts to your employer. Yeah. Uh, and and you know, obviously, not following workplace rules. And the rules are in place. It's you know, hey, uh, you know, at my job. You know, I don't think the rules that they have about operating power saws are are legit. So I'm just gonna willy nilly fire it around. The, like, no, like the, that's the rule for the workplace. You have to follow the rule for the workplace. That's just how it is. So I have arrived. I'm in San Francisco. We'll get into this a little bit more about the uh, the trip in. But uh, how about we take a break here? We're gonna talk to Al Bernstein in about ten or twelve minutes. We'll get into a little boxing, get into some other stuff, uh, maybe a little NBA as well, and then we've got all the football. In the five o'clock hour, because uh, also following it while I was traveling today, what in the hell is going on right now with Oregon football and Mario Cristobal? I can only imagine as they're getting ready for a kickoff here in like 25 minutes, all these rumors swirling that Miami's making a real run at the Ducks coach. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. 
Hill throws it's intercepted at the 25. Down the left side, into the end zone. That is a touchdown. Carlos Watkins, a defensive tackle. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Well, thank you, Adam, for carrying the show. Appreciate it. Of course. We're back here for the uh, the back end of the show. It was great. It was great. It was great. Uh, we got Al Bern- or Bernstein coming up in just a little bit. Uh, lots of NFL to get into. Uh, a little bit of college football. Actually, a lot of college football with the Pac-12 title in town. Uh, you hear the Cowboys radio network there. Brad Sham with the call. We want to pat the Cowboys on the back or just go, hey, they were facing a guy who was, is not very good to begin with, and he was beat to hell on Taysom Hill. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's that one. I mean, obviously the Cowboys offense, when they actually have those three wide receiver stars together, is very dangerous. Um, I think it's only the third time they've played together this season. Uh, like the only the second time I think they finished a game together. So uh, they're a dangerous offense. And, you know, Zeke doesn't look right, but Pollard, you know, after Zeke wears down, the defense comes in and, and you know, has some explosive plays in the run game. Uh, obviously they can throw the ball over the place with those guys. Like, that was impressive. The defense, I mean, I don't think it's as good as it looked last night. I think Taysom Hill helped him a lot. I think there's questions to be asked about what, like, what is Taysom Hill and what is the plan? Because I excused last night. I mean, it was he was throwing the ball well early in the game. After his finger got all jacked, he could not throw the ball. So they started running it with him a little more. They were moving the ball. But at what point is Sean Payton look at this and say he can't I can't run this guy out there anymore he can't throw the ball he's too hurt like they could have gone to Simeon but I guess he's just done he's out of the mix now it's really weird what's happened with that offense and you know as good as I think Sean Payton is I don't know what they were doing last night I'm surprised you didn't have Ari pull sound from the preseason this is something Willie's doing now anytime Willie and I go head-to-head on a pick or a take uh, Willie insists that the sound be played back when he was right. <laughs> like two weeks later, I'm like, okay, I guess that's what we're doing now on the show. Um, do you want Ari to go back to the preseason during Hard Knocks when I said, eh, I don't know about Michael Parsons? <laughs> Oops. And I definitely, <laughs> and you were like, I was definitely, you were like, I love him. Yeah. You're like, I love him. And I was basing it a lot of it off of Hard Knocks because I'm like, yeah, I think he's immature. I, don't think he's, I, don't, I think it's going to take a little while for him to be a leader on defense. Uh, you might have missed on that one. Yeah, I might have missed on that one. Uh, are you, by the way, are you watching in-season Hard Knocks? I am not. Is it good? I mean, it's the same show. It, it's not. Yeah. It's not as good because I don't think the access is as good during the season. Um, but there are good things like you know the Colts are preparing for the to play the Bills, and they're like, yeah, this guy can't throw from the pocket, so just keep him in the pocket. We're gonna blow him out. And uh, they were talking about the Bills returner Isaiah McKenzie. And they're like, he he does not hold the ball tight. He's going to fumble. Like, just go make him fumble. And in the game, he didn't even get hit. He just dropped the ball. So it was like, it's pretty crazy to see what they're talking about with the other team and then see it come to fruition on game day. Like, that's a pretty cool aspect of this one. It's pretty crazy they let it in. I know. I know. Like, especially with the, with the Allen stuff, like, they could very easily play them again in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like, do you really want – you know, it's one thing to say it before the game and that it airs after the game's over, but do you really want them having like bulletin board material on every team they could potentially play again? It's nuts. And by the way, they will be playing the Raiders soon. So I I'm very much looking forward to how that, you know, game preparation week goes. 
I got to check it out. Uh, what's the latest update? Before we get to Al, what's the latest update? I know you gave it at the beginning of the show, but what's the latest update on the Raiders' injuries? So Darren Waller looks very unlikely to play. He's not practiced all week. He's doubtful. I would say he's out, uh, but he's listed officially as doubtful. They're going to try to test him at the walkthrough tomorrow, uh, but I would not expect him to play. I do expect Foster Moreau uh, to be the starting tight end and have a very prominent role in the offense. Uh, Josh Jacobs is questionable. Oh he, he was out on the field today. Uh, got unlimited practices yesterday today. The only thing I'm, I would be concerned about with Jacobs is that it was a late addition. Like, it wasn't like he was hurt going into Wednesday's practice. It sounds like he got hurt uh, during practice yesterday. Uh, so, you know, certainly not a whole lot of time to heal up. I would, I would be monitoring that. Uh, Kwiatkowski and Nixon are trending toward coming back. Nixon is ahead of Kwiatkowski. They both got hurt in that Giants game with ankle injuries. They've been out since. Um there was if you if you didn't mention Trayvon Mullen is back probably next week. Next week, yeah. He he uh he got in a couple of practices. His twenty one day, day window's open to come back from IR, but uh he was just on the scout team these last couple of days. He didn't really work with the defense. So they very much expect him to be in there next week, but not uh not this week for them. And um the Foster Moreau thing is is interesting from from obviously from a fantasy perspective, but also uh as I was pointing out, the fact that he is Really, they're one of their top special teams guys now, especially with Alec Ingold on IR, and he doesn't really play special teams uh, outside of punt coverage when he starts on offense. So uh, that is something to monitor of, of, you know, next man up on special teams when Murrow plays offense. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. studio. All right, rolling on on a Friday. Adam Hill, Cofield, Ari's in the Finley Toyota Studios. Uh, Al Bernstein is up with us. Al's got a big fight coming up this weekend. Talk a little boxing. See what else is going on with Al. Al, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you guys? We're good. We're good. All right, well, tell us about this fight this weekend. We've got another good setup here as uh, uh, Tank Davis is back in the ring. So what's happening? Yeah, he's fighting uh, Isaac Cruz um, on a pay-per-view that we have. Um, he was going to fight Rolly Romero, a Vegas resident, but uh, Rolly had some issues outside the ring that uh, cost him this fight. So Isaac Cruz stepped in. He's a, a banger, a, 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 a small, diminutive, but powerful lightweight who was headed toward eventually a world title shot, but it, he got it quicker because of this. And um, Tank Davis, one of all the lightweights that are in action, we saw Combosis and Tio Lopez in an exciting match and big upset. Um, and Devin Haney, of course, fighting in Las Vegas uh, on Saturday night. Uh, and now Tank Davis. Uh, and I think the thing that distinguishes, one of the things that distinguishes what we have going on Sunday is a really, really good um, overall card that I think will be a lot of fun for fans. All right, well, tell us how this fight goes. Well, it's going to be interesting, you know. Uh, I think it'll be interesting while, however long it lasts. You know, Davis is very powerful uh, and has, you know, scores knockouts in virtually all his fights. Uh, but Isaac Cruz has a lot of power. So I think it's going to be one of those fights that probably doesn't go the distance, but there'll be a lot of action. And, um, and obviously Cruz is, um, you know, uh, Davis is the favorite in this fight. But it's going to be exciting, and this is, seems to be the year of the upset in boxing. Uh, how good is Tank Davis? 
Well, that's a good question. I think he's very good. Um, you know, he's he's a better technician than some people give him credit for. He's certainly got a lot of power. And I, and the question of exactly how good uh, Javante Davis is is going to be decided when he fights an A-level fighter. He's fought B-level fighters, B-plus level fighters. He's fought good fighters. But he has not fought a, a fighter maybe on his caliber. And when he does that, I think we're going to find out, which I think we will find out in the next year, we're going to find out exactly how good he is. How, how many times will you say Staples Center? Oh, that's good. Probably none, because I almost never reference the arena. You know, when you do color, luckily you don't really have to reset things. and, and, and re- Otherwise, I'm confident. If I was doing play-by-play, I'm sure there would be a, a Staples Center that would sneak in there, right? <laughs> Was there was there a strategy sure. putting this? Uh, Al, was there a strategy putting it on Sunday instead of Saturday? Stay out of the way of college football. You know, the only, I don't. I, I'm, I'm actually not privy to that. Um, I just, you know, we had a. There have been a few pay per views on Sunday in recent times, and I think maybe they maybe they thought it would. Uh, I don't think maybe you know the college football didn't really get in the way because it's all daytime. It's not nighttime. Um, I, I think they just maybe they just thought it was you know good time to do it and from a live crowd standpoint it's, it, it hasn't hurt them at all because the, the building would be virtually sold out so you, you talk about that being sunday and saturdays all the college football uh i i have it on good authority i think being you uh that you plan on just bunkering into the room tomorrow and yes. watching some college football but <laughs> on this show we we talk about snacks almost exclusively yeah you're kind of going I mean, I don't want to say chicken wings are healthy. Uh, it's the healthier side of things, though. You're going with the wings over the M&Ms? Yeah, here's the problem. I've been dieting, and I'm about 20 pounds down, so I'm feeling good. Good work, good work. But I do not want to ruin it, right? <laughs> so I have to at least make a, a, a feeble effort at not being terrible. So I figure chicken wings uh, are at least a, uh, a nod toward trying to be reasonably healthy in watching the games. Because, yeah, I will be – I've got all my – I have my – I deliberately got all my notes done for the fight. So I am ready for football. So I am literally going to be nothing but a couch potato in this hotel room watching football and switching back and forth. But the frustrating part is I can't DVR anything here, right, and go to it. You know, if I was home, I could do that. But, um, you know, we'll, be, we'll all be watching every second. What uh? What game are you most looking forward to? Yeah, well, obviously Georgia and Alabama, but I'm very, very interested in Cincinnati and Houston because I am so invested in Cincinnati making the playoffs, and I'm <laughs> like some people, I'm so annoyed at the college football playoff <laughs> committee for deliberately putting them forth so that they would have a way to ultimately, um, you know, screw them out of a, a shot. Al Bernstein's with other us. That, uh, showtime. Other than that, I have no opinion, okay. right? There you go. <laughs> I'm pretty Pay-per- neutral other than that. <laughs> Pay-per-view coming up on Sunday. Remember, it's Sunday, not Saturday. It's in L.A. Uh, pre-show starts at 5 o'clock our time, and then the uh, the card's going down at 7 o'clock. Al, I know you're, you're pretty tight with your time. I did uh, want to mention one thing that's you know close yeah. to us, and the fraternity for radio in yeah. Vegas is, is pretty small, and you did a good note 
good amount of radio with uh, Lotus Broadcasting and ESPN Las Vegas, and I think we're all yeah. kind of still in shock that a really young guy and a you know a good a good dude, really interesting character, uh, ballpark passed away earlier in the week, and I, I know you have some thoughts on that. Yeah, I really do, and I'm glad you brought it up. I was like, it's funny before we were to, I was gonna try to toss that in no matter what, but I figured you'd bring it up. Yeah, Frank was Frank Harnish, ballpark Frank, just uh, a lovely guy. I mean, I don't think anybody that knew Frank did not like him, did not have something good to say about him. He was, and and you know, he was radio. You know, he was a guy that was so devoted to doing radio in in Las Vegas. He did sports, of course, but he dabbled in a, a bunches of other things with radio. He knew how to do everything, whether it was run a board or, or, or edit, you know, audio or do whatever. And um, he just was a lovely, lovely guy. The thing that I think made him special was he was every man. You know, he was the guy you were going to sit next to at the bar and chat about sports with. That's exactly who Frank was, and that's part of the reason why he was charming on the air and charming off the air. Al, that's awesome. That's a nice tribute, and I've seen a lot of good messages, and I'm, I'm sure, uh, you know, Frank didn't know how much of this was going to come out, and uh, I've seen It's been really impressive. I've, I've been blown away by how many people uh, he touched over the years around Las Vegas. Really cool. Yeah, it's probably – right. that's a really good way to put it because it's probably more enormous than you can even think about uh, but unfortunately, at a time like this, you, it all codifies itself, and you see how many people he touched, and how you know how everybody came in contact with him, and and they all had the same kind of experience, um, which is pretty remarkable. Al, we appreciate a couple minutes. Uh, like I said, uh, we know you're busy, and you got the big boxing match and college football coming up over the weekend. So, uh, thanks a lot. All right, good to talk to you guys. Take care. Thanks, there he is, Al Bernstein, legendary Al Bernstein, former member of the staff at ESPN Las Vegas. Again, Showtime card, Tank Davis against Isaac Cruz. You know, Davis is always entertaining. Cruz is a banger, so there's going to be a lot of action in this fight. It goes down with the pre-show starting at 5 o'clock. Uh, pay-per-view is at 7 o'clock. All right, we turn our attention back to football. We'll get into a little basketball. So the run Rebels are on the road in San Francisco, taking on the Dons. Tomorrow we've got... College coaching Armageddon happening. I mean, right now we're getting ready for the kickoff of the Pac-12 title game in our town. And uh, going into the game, one of the storylines is, will either one of these coaches be coaching at their current stop next year? The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today.